I debated all day. Do I tell people we're going to give them results on the polls or not? And I'm not talking about Ohio State, although we probably will give you results on those polls. That one, that's a guarantee. We'll let you know when the college football playoff committee comes out with the results, where exactly Ohio State stands. Although I'm not going to make it a whole 20 minutes like we did last week. That is not happening. Sorry, you get one shot at that. I'm assuming it's status quo. And if it's not, then maybe you get a little bit more than a 30-second obligatory, hey, this is where we're at because we got a lot of Browns to discuss. Do I give you guys updates about the issues that are on the ballots and everything that you guys went out to the polls to vote for? My logic in all this is pretty simple. You go out and vote so that you get to complain about the vote if your vote doesn't go the right way. That's why you go out and vote. You got a voice, you got a choice. That's what the Kids' Choice Awards told me back 20 years ago. You got a voice, you got a choice, and that stuck with me more than any political campaign ever has. But I don't think I'm going to do it. I I think I'm going to follow the principle of what I was taught at a very young age in this business, which is you came for a fast food restaurant. I'm going to give you the burger. I'm not going to give you the steak. You want you want the other you want the steak? Go 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 to a steakhouse. We're a burger joint. We do the fast food. So anything sports related, I got you. But I will use this time to tell you if you've not yet voted, you have a half hour to do so. Because like me, you can go out there and vote. So if your vote doesn't pass. You get to complain about it, and you get to yell at people and say, it's not what I voted for. I voted the other way. And if it does pass, and you did vote for it to pass, and then it doesn't work out, well, then we all just stay quiet together, okay? And then we just, we're just like, hey, I don't know how that one got away from us. Times certainly have changed, haven't they? So anyway, you got a half hour. The, the countdown is on. You got a voice. You got a choice. Go make it work. Now, let's talk about the Browns and figuring out what vote we have with Deshaun Watson and where this team currently sits. Where I want to start with you guys is an interesting thing that has developed in the previous. Well, really, I, I was talking to Nick Wilson before the show, this show got underway. We did a little uh, sidebar chat. We're just talking about life in general. We're talking about, uh, uh, you know, my kid, for instance. I'm talking about his kids. We're just doing the life thing. And all of a sudden, he, you know, he asked me, he goes, it's amazing. I'm at the game, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm thinking about the, the different parts of this game, and, and I'm, I'm ready to dissect the Cardinals and, and figuring out just how dominant performance this was and everything else. And it seemed like people had already moved on. And I'm like, yeah, we're at, we're at halftime. We're at halftime or so. It felt like people already turned the page. Usually we get Tuesdays to discuss the game that happened. We do it on Monday as well. But on Tuesdays, it's kind of for this show at least. And it's different for their shows in the morning and afternoon and midday. But for my show, I get about half the show to discuss what happened on Sunday and the other half of the show to discuss – What's going to happen? Everyone turns the page on Wednesday. I do it a little premature. I tend to do it halfway through Tuesday, and then I keep my week going. Because that way I got Wednesday, I got Friday to discuss it with you guys. Out of the gate, we got to figure out what's going on in these next two weeks. Because it felt like by halftime, you guys were already tired of the whole conversation around, oh, great, we beat up a a JV team in the Cardinals. Fantastic. Clayton Toon is going to be selling insurance at the end of the year, not playing in the NFL. What what are we doing here? That was one of the more dominant defensive performances I've ever seen. The weird thing is we had four teams this past weekend fail to score more than six points. What's weird is I I watched that Browns, uh, the Browns defense be so dominant, and then I turned around and watched Monday Night Football, and it didn't seem like the Chargers defense was that dominant. It was more that the Jets' offense was so inept that it made the Chargers' defense look so good in turn. And I'm like, that's not what we saw. A lot of people talking about the lack of scoring. You're talking about the bad quarterback play. That wasn't what it was necessarily. It wasn't that Clayton Tune 
even though I do think he'll be selling insurance at the end of the year, was so utterly miserable. It was just that the defense was so awesome that it never gave Clayton Tune a chance. That, I think, is the difference. You watched Zach Wilson yesterday, and you saw Zach Wilson. I mean, he, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. That, I mean, he just he had nothing. He made one really nice pass in the fourth quarter at the very winding moments of the game as it was ending, and then they ended up with a fourth and goal scenario, and, uh, you know, the Jets got – or the Chargers got three stops, and it was what it was. I almost lost a lot of money in that scenario because I had the under. I got the under very early in the, uh, the evening, and so I ended up with an under at 39. Touchdown were to score, it would have been 40. That would have sucked. I got the under. It all worked out. That's why I was watching late at night. I don't want you guys to think that I'm just up late watching really bad Monday night football, even though even if I wasn't gambling, I'd still probably be up late watching really bad Monday night football. But there was a difference in how it was done. The Browns' defense was dominant, absolutely dominant. Aaron Schatz, the founder of DVOA, we have him on every now and then. Aaron tweeted out that that was the seventh most dominating performance by a defense in the past 50 years. And as of right now, through the first eight games of the season, the Browns have put up the seventh best defensive performance by a team since 1981. They have been playing at an unreal clip. And I was talking to the pregame show about, you know, what what the game had to look like for Deshaun, what the game had to look like for Deshaun and all these other type of things that the, the offense needs to work on. And it kind of felt like that Bengals game where it didn't really matter what happened. You knew that the defense played so well, all you had to do was show up as an offense, and you'd end up with the win. From the very first drive, you knew they had nothing. I talked about this a little bit with the Eagles, because the Eagles last year, I thought, had five games where their defense was so good, Jalen Hurts didn't have to do anything. Defense was so good that for five games last year, all he had to do was basically show up, and they'd end up with a win. Two of those games happened to be in the postseason as well. Like, good time for that defense to make their presence known. Browns are getting these games. They're getting these type of games where – and it's not going to last, obviously. I mean, the good defense might last. But the idea that you're going to have so many of these games where the defense does their part and the offense just has to show up, just has to basically not vomit all over their shoes, you're going to walk away with a win. We're not promised any of these. We're not. I think it's incredible, though that so many people have shifted their mindset towards what's going on with the Ravens and the Steelers that we can't live and see what happened this past weekend. So I'm willing to wipe that slate clean with you guys because I understand why you guys can. I get it. I do. It's not fun to talk about a dominating game where you don't even know if it feels good because it's like Alabama beating up on the little sisters of the poor. You're like, did that one feel good? That one didn't feel good. That's what was supposed to happen. You're double-digit favorites. You're 13-point favorites entering that game. You're supposed to win those games. But where I give the Browns a lot of credit is that they were so dominating that you at some point do have to turn around and say, okay, good job. But if we're going to move this to the next couple weeks, so I butted you guys up a little bit there. We're going to move this to the next couple weeks. Here's where I'm a little scared. I told you guys last week that I thought Baltimore had turned a corner, and I thought Baltimore was making me look like a fool, if I'm being honest about it. What I don't like, I don't like being made to look like a fool. Baltimore made me look like a fool so far this year because I spent a lot of time on CBS Sports Radio over the summer talking about how Lamar says he's throwing for 6,000 yards, and I don't know if that's going to be the recipe. OBJ, 30 years old, 
two surgeries and purple hair. I don't know that that's going to be the recipe. That defense, okay. See what happens. Todd Munkin, though, ultimately, I didn't think they'd be this good. I was one of the few Ravens doubters amongst the whole entire offseason. Now, I was a doubter on a lot of teams in the AFC, though, and a lot of teams in the AFC North. So as much as I hit on the Steelers, I was so against the idea that Baltimore could be good, and I recognize what they've done. When you draft Zay Flowers, you get OBJ, you trade for Nelson Aguilar, like they made the right moves. They were telling everybody that was paying attention, we are going to try to make Lamar be great. We signed him to this massive deal. We are going to make this work with Lamar Jackson, and we're going to try to make sure that we're an offensive team that can throw, that can run, that can do everything. Last weekend, they, they went for 300 yards on the ground. A couple weekends ago against Detroit, they went for 300 yards through the air, 350 through the air. Last weekend, they went for 300 on the ground. They're doing it in a multitude of ways. They are incredibly impressive to me. So here's where I get a little worried. We're five-and-a-half-point dogs, according to Vegas, as of right now, and I'm worried that that number feels accurate. I'm worried that that number feels accurate, and I'm worried that we're putting too much stock into this Baltimore game. Yes, if we're going to be a great team, we have to beat Baltimore. Can we look at the next couple weeks like it's Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and if we split the baby, so to speak, we go one and one, then we're feeling good about ourselves? Or do we have to just beat Baltimore, and that's the only thing that matters? Two one six four seven four to below 92. Do we have to win against Baltimore? Do we have to win against Pittsburgh in order to get people excited about what this team could potentially be? I mean, we beat Pittsburgh, and I'm going to be over the moon excited because I felt like we got robbed in our two opportunities earlier this year to really have statement games. Robbed. The, the Bengals game in week one where Joe Burrow's out there looking like Hector Salamanca, I, he, he can't move. The man, the man can't move. Great. We stopped him. We had the big-time sack by Miles Garrett at the end of the game. They scored three points, but that's not – that's the most – that's an asterisk. I'm sorry. I, I love that the Browns got the win. That's not a big-time win, in my opinion. It's a win, but it's not a big-time win when Joe Burrow is hobbling around and, and, can't, and doesn't have his full functionality as very evidenced by what you've seen with Joe Burrow when he is healthy in the previous couple weeks. And then the 49ers game, we got that win. Again, incredible. Bengals 49ers, I thought, were the two toughest teams we'd have to play this year when we were talking about the schedule game. Those two popped out to me. We win against the 49ers, but it wasn't a Deshaun Watson win. And I know I shouldn't care about those things, but I care about those things. I need Deshaun Watson to get these big-time wins. I need our quarterback to get these big-time wins. Not P.J. Walker. No. I need Deshaun Watson to get these wins. If I'm going to talk about this team and try to lay down claims for why they should be considered to be a deep postseason run or a deep postseason team, then I got to talk about it the way that they're going to be constructed when the postseason hits. You know, it's, it, it, we can work this both ways. If let's say I was a Cowboys fan and I liked Dak Prescott and then Dak Prescott got injured and they had to put in uh, Trey Lance and it's like, well, all right, am I talking about the Cowboys with Dak Prescott? Talking about the Cowboys with Trey Lance. It's two different teams. It's two different teams. Are the Ravens-Steelers games this season for the Browns? Two one six four seven four to below 92. I don't love that we are putting so much stock into a Baltimore game where we are not supposed to win, if I'm being honest. I'm not saying we can't win. That's not that. Don't get that misconstrued. We certainly can win, and I'll feel over the moon if we do. But we're five-and-a-half-point dogs against a team that has been the best team in the NFL. Colin Coward did his NFL rankings earlier today. 
It was the Ravens one, Chiefs two, Bengals three. Ravens are everyone's darling right now because for the previous four weeks, all they've done is mow down teams and good teams at that. Seahawks game wasn't even close. Lions game was a, they dog walked Detroit. I mean, they deep pants them and embarrassed that team. So I hate to say it, hate saying it. I was dead wrong on what this Baltimore team can be. And maybe they'll have the same thing that always happens in Baltimore. They have a good regular season and then they flame out in the postseason. Kind of feels like 2019. 2019, they start two and two, then they win the next 12. And everyone's like, oh my God, you see what's going on in Baltimore? People are going goo goo gaga the year Lamar won the MVP. And postseason came and they just wilted away. Maybe that's what happens. But we are catching Baltimore at the absolute worst time. And I'm worried that we're putting too much stock into what this game means in the totality for the Browns and the rest of the season. You can lose to Baltimore and still be a good team. You can lose to this Baltimore team and still be on the, the better end of things and situations if you come back the next week and knock Pittsburgh right in the mouth and go from there. Obviously, I want the win, though. No doubt about that. 216474 to below 92. But are the Ravens Steelers games the season for the Browns? If they win them both, we'll be over the moon. If we lose them both, it will feel a little like the sky is falling. We'll get your phone calls, we'll get your Twitter reactions, all that and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Biddle here with you on the fan. I do have to make mention of Ohio State and them retaining their number one spot in the college football playoff rankings. Those revealed moments ago, the top eight teams remain unchanged from a week ago. As I, listen, I'm not going to hurt myself, pat myself on the back. It doesn't take, I'm not splitting the atom here. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out that Georgia hadn't quite closed the gap on Ohio State. Not yet, at least as far as the rankings are concerned. And Ohio State still covered the spread. 18 and a half point spread. They win by 19. Good job, Ryan Day. You were fantastic on Saturday. At least I thought so. Based off of that. Now, the game reminded me a lot of that Maryland game is what it reminded me of. Where they were up, or excuse me, where they, they Maryland held close. Same thing happened this past weekend. About halftime, you're like, oh, wow. Rutgers. Rutgers is doing something here. The fighting Greg Schianos are at it again. And then by the time you, you, you get to the third quarter and then into the fourth quarter, Ryan Day, the light bulb went off in his brain, was like, oh, you mean Henderson and Harrison is a good combo? We probably should give the ball to the two best players on the field. Oh, not bad. He did so. And then obviously good things were there in store for Ohio State. Now, what's interesting to me at least, okay, it's not this week that is the most important for the rankings. It's next week that is the most important for the rankings. Georgia's going to take on number nine Ole Miss this following weekend. If Georgia beats Ole Miss, you got two top 15 wins in a row after beating number 14 Missouri last week, and that would be the time where Georgia would take over Ohio State. In my estimation, what, what Ohio State has going for them right now is the fact that they beat Penn State and Notre Dame. That's their best card, and it's a good card to play. They have not looked overly impressive in my mind in the previous few games, not to the point where I'd have to say, uh, oh, my God, they have to be number one, and it's more than just the two top ten wins that they got. It's, it's the fact that they got the two, the two wins, the big ones, Penn State, Notre Dame, and the Notre Dame game was close. Wasn't, it wasn't a runaway. That game came down to the final couple plays. If Freeman understood that the, he needed to have more than 10 guys on the field, maybe we're talking a, a little bit of a different story here. They didn't. We're not rewriting history, but the reality is, is that Georgia gets a chance to take on a top-10 team in Ole Miss. Michigan's going to travel to play Penn State themselves, so Michigan will have a chance, the first opportunity all season, to play a ranked opponent. These teams are going to boost up their resumes. 
That's just that's how this works. I'm not necessarily concerned for Ohio State. If they do what they have to do, they'll be in the playoff. And I'd say the same thing about Michigan, really quickly. All these people that are suggesting that Michigan is going to be outside looking in for the college football playoff and ah, the college, they're they're gonna they're gonna punish Harbaugh and they're gonna punish Michigan and they're gonna they're gonna make a statement of it. Guys, follow the Green Brick Road. This isn't hard. Who runs college football? Who runs college football? The TV executives. The TV executives want Michigan in the field, and they've never wanted Michigan more in the field than what they want Michigan to be in this year. After Deion Sanders and the hype that was the first four or five weeks of the season, college football needed a new story. Michigan's their new story. Michigan is going to be one of the biggest rivals and one of the biggest antagonists in college football history. Can you imagine Michigan playing for a national title after all this scandal? Uh, People are going to lose their mind. You know, people will tune in just to root against Michigan. Oh, my gosh. You can't get ratings like what Michigan would bring. College football playoff isn't stupid. NCAA stupid. College football playoff isn't stupid. They're telling you guys. They're, they're, they're weighing it out for you guys right here, right now. They're trying to make the case here. As long as Michigan does what they're supposed to do, and let's be honest, it's going to look more impressive coming up in a couple weeks, but if they, take, if they take care of Penn State and then they take care of Ohio State, they're in. No questions asked. And they might even – They might even have more buffer room than I think a lot of people would have given them credit for even a couple weeks ago. The college football playoff wants, they want Michigan in there. It sounds counterintuitive, but it's true. TV execs run the show. That's how it's always worked with college football. They are a ratings bonanza if they're in the finals and if they're in the college football playoff. Oh, could you imagine? I'm I'm just, I'm thinking about that, that opening scene where they, they pan the cameras in, and it's on Jim Harbaugh's goofy ass, and he's sitting there, and he's, you know, I, I don't know what he's doing. If, like In the Purdue game last weekend, he went up to J.J. McCarthy and was, like, patting him on the shoulders and then catching footballs for him and tossing him and just looking like a complete goober. Uh, they'd love it. They would eat it up. He would be looking. He would turn around and start laughing like he's Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker in the Robert De Niro scene. I mean, it would be incredible to see incredible theater. I'm getting excited just thinking about the idea of how much hatred so many people would have. And, and you guys know at this point, I, I there's so much hate in the world. I don't, I, that sucks. I campaign for sports hate all the time though. Campaign for sports hate all day. That's where the hate in the world should be directed. Do you know how many people would love to just hate on Jim Harbaugh in that moment? Would love to hate on Michigan in that moment? Oh, I can't even imagine what the ratings would be if Michigan ended up winning the thing. There'd be so many people just losing their mind. They'd be calling college football uh, uh, frauds. They'd be saying the whole entire thing is compromised. They'd be putting asterisks next to the win, like everything. That is a that is soap opera theater at its highest form. So, yeah, college football playoff is smart. TV executives run the show. They're telling you. They're telling you we don't care what, what's going on with Georgia or with Michigan right now. They're in. Now, next week's going to be the big week. I, now, would I love for them to do this this show at a little bit more convenient time when I'm not trying to discuss the Ravens-Browns game? Yeah, probably, but that's not in my cards for me. Not tonight, at least. So I'll let you in. Ohio State remains number one. Georgia's number two, but they host Ole Miss coming up. Michigan travels to Penn State. They remain number three, and Florida State is four. We have nothing unchanged with the top eight teams from last week to this week, rightfully so. I watched a lot of college football this past weekend. There was no team, in, for my money, that deserved to be moved and changed out of the top eight in any sort of direction. 
uneven performance for uh, Florida State against Pitt last weekend. Washington was number five after that win against USC, where really the reality out of that one was just no defense being played. Absolutely zero defense. And now USC, surprisingly enough, is out of the top 25, which is incredible in and of itself. Texas is the only hope for the Big 12 after Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State. Sooners dropped to number 17 behind the Cowboys at 16. I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting things that came out of this, but the top eight is the top eight. All right, let's get back to your Browns calls. In case you're just joining us, 216-474-0092. I'm saying right now I feel like the Browns are in a very unfair position with taking on the Ravens because I think the Ravens are the best team in football right now. I hate that I'm saying it, but it's how I, it's how I see it, and i got to shoot you guys straight. Their offense might not be going for 6,000 yards like Lamar Jackson predicted when he tried to be the seer among seers, the prognosticator's prognosticator over the summer, but they're really, really good. Tom Bunkin's got it figured out. Purple hair and all, OBJ, might complain every single time I see him touch the ball, but he's making big moves. Zay Flowers has been incredible. They have a pretty good offense right now, and their defense is the number one scoring defense in the NFL. Think about it. As much as we talk about this Browns defense, and if you made me choose between the Browns defense and the Ravens defense, I'm choosing the Browns defense. Aaron Schatz had it earlier today. I mentioned in the opening segment. This Browns defense is the seventh best per his DVOA since 1981. They're incredible. But just pure scoring defense, Ravens are number one in the league. Number one. That's not arguable. That's a stat. It's not arguable. They have a top seven scoring offense and scoring defense. And in the previous four weeks, nobody's been playing better. <sighs> I hate that it feels like the Browns season doesn't necessarily hinge on this weekend. But from a morale standpoint, from a fans standpoint, from the momentum that, that is being built up currently, all of it feels like it can be zapped. And it's not entirely fair because I feel like right now the Ravens are – they're dressing up as the Kansas City Chiefs in the moment. They are the best team in the NFL, which should belong to Kansas City, but somehow they got the mask, they put it on, and that's what they've gone gone for for Halloween here. It's incredible the way that they've been playing. I don't know what clicked, but it's clicked, and it's a scary team, and I hate that for the Browns, and I hate the investment we're putting into this game based off of the idea that we're five-and-a-half-point dogs. Vegas is not saying – we have the greatest of chances in this one, even though I know and you know our defense is so good. If it can limit this offense, if anybody can limit this offense, it'd be our defense. And this is a true testing game for Deshaun Watson. Two one six four seven four to below 92. Right, let's get to you guys. Lewis going to lead us off here on the fan. Hello, Lewis. JP, uh, good point about Michigan, man. I, I would love for Michigan to get in so I can talk Lima, you know, off the ledge. You know, Lima <laughs> have a Lima have a fit. He know I'm a Michigan man. Me Those and Keith. Those ratings would be insane, and uh, Lima would love it. You know, he'd love it. Yeah, but but this game, this game is pivotal, man. It, it's it's crucial. It's it's pivotal for Deshaun for the for you know for De, uh, Deshaun's confidence. This game is on Deshaun. We need him to step up big time. I mean, a couple of factors that you know that worries me in this game is they're going to blitz. We got to figure out a way to beat they blitz. I mean, they blitzed the first game and Deshaun looked like he was totally confused. So we have to do something about, about that blitz. The X factor in this game mm-hmm. is going to be that kid, man, that running back, man. That running back is good, and I got a feeling, man. He, if we don't, you know, really pay attention to him, 
he's going to dice us up, man. And I'm, I'm very worried which you about for, that Gus, kid. Gus man. Edwards, which one are you going for? Justice Hill? No, yeah, the rookie. Okay. Not Gus uh, Edwards. The one, who had, the one who had nine carries, 138 yards last game. Him. Gus Edwards, no, nah, oh, he's not that oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, uh, Mitchell. That kid is good. That kid's good. If we don't keep our eye on him, man, he will dice us up for real. I'm not, you know, Lamar's Lamar, you know, and, and whatever else. But if we don't keep our eye on that kid, we're going to be in trouble. That and All that right. blitz, we got to figure out the blitz, man. We got to beat that blitz. This game is on Deshaun, man. It's, it's pivotal, man. I think, we, I think we're going to take him by three. All right, thank you, man. I appreciate you as always. Uh, Keaton Mitchell's not a name that I thought was going to get brought up at any point in this stretch. It's a good eye. Good eye by Lewis right there. They got a couple different guys. A couple different guys that we'd, we'd obviously just bring up and talk about and, and go through as far as their run game. I, I've always thought JOK was drafted for Lamar Jackson. In fact, that's what they told us on draft night. But it's, it's more than just Lamar and being able to stop that run game. But Lamar is he's incredible. He's just, there's just no other way to put it. He's, in, he's absolutely incredible. And, yeah, they got, they, they right now, let's bring this up a little bit earlier, but I'm trying to, let me, let me hear, zero in on it. They have four guys right now, including Mitchell, that have at least rushed for a touchdown this season. Edwards, Justice Hill, Mitchell, and then Lamar. Lamar's got 440 on the ground this year, five touchdowns. Edwards has 478 and seven. Justice Hill's 251 and three. Right there, that's what I'm saying. They, they ran for almost 300 yards last weekend. Two weekends ago when they beat Detroit, they threw for 350. Last weekend, they ran for almost 300. If, if I'm trying to figure out how to stop this, this Ravens offense, I'm plumb out of ideas. That's got to be the most confusing part of all this. They're, they're, you just don't know what they're going to do. You'd think, excuse me, you would think with the corners we have, with the way MJ Emerson is playing and Denzel Ward are playing, legitimately the two of them I saw earlier today graded out by PFF as two of the top four cornerbacks in the game when it comes to passer rating. You'd think they would try to avoid that and they would try to use the run game, but they have a million different ways they can slice you and dice you. They got a million different ways that they can beat you. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. I'm scared. I, I I feel like I'm I'm Bill Murray and Kingpin when he's at the foul line and he's doing the ho oh, ho shaking in my boots thing. That's who I am right now. I never thought I'd be this way. I always had confidence against the Ravens, even though the Ravens had had the Browns number recently and the previous well really this the, the Stefanski era. They've just been able to beat us. But I I, I thought I was going to have more confidence. Then game one of this year happened, and now game two I'm sitting there and I'm going wait they've only gotten better since they beat us. They've only gotten better. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Ramsey up next on the fan. Hello, Ramsey. Hey, how you doing, man? What's up, Ramsey? Hey, so listen. Uh, what, well, first of all, the previous caller uh, said something about uh, Baltimore blitzing Deshaun when we played him first time. Deshaun didn't play. That was DTR. Oh, I didn't. I didn't catch that. If that's what he had said. Yeah, you know, no big deal. But just putting that out. That there. was my defensive DTR, and thank you for that, Ramsey. That was my defensive DTR last week. Was I, I kept bringing it up? I'm like, wait. Because the Ravens' defense is so much better than I ever gave them credit for, and they've always been a good defense. But right now, yeah. really, since since that DTR game, they've been otherworldly. And it's like DTR got two hours' notice, got thrown to the Wolves. Like, it's just not fair. Exactly. He did get thrown to the Wolves. But um, as far as the Browns, here's the deal. If they want to be taken seriously as a contender, they cannot get their doors blown off. I mean, they got to keep it close. I'm not one for moral victories, but they got to keep this thing within one score, and they got to they got to look like they can play with Baltimore. And then if they keep, they keep it close or win it, and then you come back and you beat Pittsburgh like you should beat them, then I think 
pulse of the town will be pretty good. And people, you know, will have to recognize that they are a legitimate contender. And oh, one that's other, interesting. You, uh, you made reference earlier about Colin Cowherd's top ten list. Yeah. Please don't give that dude any credit. Oh, Please. He's a I... Cleveland hater. He's a Cleveland hater. And just, just he was a Baker you know, hater. Uh, Ramsey, had, I thought I thought he was, and you're you're cutting out here, man. I appreciate you. He was a Baker hater. I, I never thought he was a Cleveland hater. I thought he was a Baker hater. I got no, I got too much respect for Colin. If he wants to make a top three list and throw the Ravens at the top, I'll, I'll I think that's worthy of something. Been around for the game for a very long time. Radio got a radio guy. He's as good as it gets in the profession in my mind. So like I'll I'll defend him there. He is a Buckeye hater. Well, yeah, that's different than a Cleveland hater. Okay, I, I, and honestly, I, the only reason why he hates in the Buckeyes so much is he just likes sparring with Joel Klatt. I really, I think that's all that is. He's like Joel. Joel Klatt could tell him cats are awesome, and he's like, "But dogs, dogs, Joe." And it's like, all right. Well, he knows that Buc- Buckeye Nation is one of the feistiest uh, fan bases, that's true. especially on social media. Uh, like, and I think he also knows that the Browns fans are one of the more feisty fan bases too on social media. I, I think they, they it's underscored a lot. the The Browns fans in social media, they're a very feisty group. And I feel like most national people get blindsided by that. But we have people everywhere. Like, we have spies all across the country. They're, everyone's from Cleveland, okay? So, and they all go, and they live, they live in a bunch of other different places, and they all rep Cleveland. It's, yeah, no, it's very noticeable. Very noticeable. All right, 216-474-92. Make a point on that. Are you buying the fact that if they just play good against Baltimore and don't get dog-walked by the Ravens, that it might not be a moral victory? But we can at least say, hey, we can hang with these guys? Or do you, do you need to see a win against Baltimore in order to truly buy into this Browns team? Ashley Bastock coming your way at 8 o'clock. Your phone calls, we continue on. It's overtime with Jonathan Bidwin here with you on The Fan. Are the Ravens-Steelers games the season to you? I think the unfair part of that conversation is that we're putting so much weight into this Baltimore game when we're five-and-a-half-point dogs. We're not supposed to beat Baltimore. Now, I'm not saying we can't beat Baltimore. I think this defense is so good. If Deshaun Watson plays like the Deshaun Watson that we saw play last weekend, if that's the Deshaun Watson we get, sky's the limit. But ultimately, this Baltimore team is on another level right now, and I feel like we are getting them at the absolute worst time. Again, it feels like 2019 when they started 2-2 and and then won 12 straight. Now, winning these two games shows you that you have to be taken seriously, and I believed we would get that with the Bengals win, and it got an asterisk next to it. It was supposed to happen after the 49ers game, and then they face-planted, so we got an asterisk there as well. I'm not sure what the excuses could be if we knock off the Ravens and then the Steelers. Like, I'm fresh out of ideas in that department. 49ers, Bengals, and the Ravens, while being 6-3, and three, would be music to my ears, and that should be for you guys as well. That would be about as good as life gets, being 6-3 and three, with wins against what is arguably the three toughest teams on the schedule. Oh, boy, but it's not easy. It is not easy, and Baltimore right now is playing in such a way that I, I hate that I was so wrong about them in the preseason. I can be wrong about things. I'm okay with that. I was right about the Steelers, dead wrong about what this Baltimore team could be. Purple hair OBJ playing out of his mind. Lamar Jackson being the passing quarterback that they wanted him to be, or that he wanted to be, actually. And then this defense, number one scoring defense in the NFL. We can talk all day about how great this Browns defense is, and I would take this Browns defense in a second over the Ravens defense, but the conversations nationally, it's who's got the better defense. Is it the Ravens? Is it the Browns? That's where they're at right now. The, the Ravens defense has been unreal, and they dog walk teams. They're so good at blowing the doors off of teams 
that it just they don't just win games. They beat the hell out of you, as we saw in our first matchup, as the Lions saw a couple weekends ago, as the Seahawks saw this past weekend. They don't just beat you. They embarrass you. And that started week one against Houston. 216474 to below 92. Oh, that guy in Cleveland up next on the fan. Good to see you at our tailgate over this weekend, that guy. How was the game with your dad? Oh, man, it was a great uh, a great day to be at the game. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. had a great time. Uh, you know, just uh, – I mean, that, that victory, I mean, it was great to see. You know, mm-hmm. I got to see some really awesome stuff um, there, and I got to, you know – Taking photos with you and uh, and like a bunch of other people. I mean, that was that was an experience all on its own, man. Oh, it was great to meet you. It was great to meet your dad too. You got a lovely yeah, family. yeah, good people. Um, all right, so I'm gonna be a little bit real with you here about this Ravens game. Okay. Um, I don't really expect us to win this for several reasons. Uh, one is that our O line is completely busted, basically, <laughs> and uh. That Ravens defense is just gonna is gonna tear tear through our own line, own line like paper. I mean, really. Um, and two is that you know they have they have. I mean, it's gonna be kind of a defensive battle, except that they have a more stable O line than we do. So it's gonna be kind of hard, I think, to get to their quarterback. But I mean, I don't know. I, and we're also playing in their house too. That's another thing. We're playing in their house. And I don't know how many road games we've won, but you know it, it's you mean, it's going to be mean hard. General on the year, or do you mean just like like what do you mean? Well, I guess you could say uh, so we, we far beat, this season Indy. how many road we, wins we beat Indy on the road. Mm-hmm. You're right, though. You're right. Stefanski's a much better. Yeah. And thank you, that guy. I appreciate you. Stefanski's record at home is way different than his road record, like night and day. I'll get the exact numbers for you coming up a little bit later on. I was looking at that over the weekend, though. His home numbers are very, very different than his away numbers. LaVon up next. Hello, LaVon. Hey, what's going on? What's up, man? Nah, I'm going to get the game plan for how to beat Baltimore. Alrighty. You don't have to pound the ball for the running game and don't pass too much until you get the running game established and then hit the tight ends and then hit Cooper. Because our defense is going to hold us down. Our defense should contain the quarterback of Baltimore. And with that, we should be okay. And Miles Garrett should have a good tackling day. I mean, I'm hoping. I'm hoping you're right. And I appreciate the call at 216-474-0092. There's a recipe out there. I know it exists. I just can't find it right now. And I, I'm, I'm a little scared. I mentioned how the Ravens in, in two of the three weeks – went gangbusters with the run game, and then against the Lions, went gangbusters with the passing game, and it's just they got a million different ways they can beat you, and it worries me just a little bit. Halim up next. Hello, Halim. Good talking to you, sir. Good to talk to you. What's um, I think our I think our defense has proven that when they're going to be challenged by a team that wants to be as physical as they are, that um, they can step up to the to the ball game. And I, I think part of the reason everyone's so scared other than the fact that they've been rolling, is that they rolled us in the first game, yeah, right? They had so much success against us. Ultimately, when you play the Ravens, quite simply, it is always a field position game. And when you have a quarterback doing what DTR did, he put our defense in the worst field position consistently 
throughout the entire year. That was the worst game field position-wise that we played. It made our defense much more vulnerable to the Ravens, well, and, Helene, and the game got Helene, away from us. Remember after the game, too, I had made I, – I went down and I, I basically I broke it down drive by drive, and we had so many three and outs, and the defense just got gassed because they were just on the field so much. Exactly. That, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make. And, I like, people just – golly, man, the overreaction, the, the fear that people have as Browns fans is just – they get so demoralized. Oh, my God, our, our offensive line is paper. All right, dude, we're going to have four <laughs> of the five – we're going to have four of the five starting old linemen. Like I, I get the concern. I'm not saying that this isn't going to be an incredibly hard game, but it just the way people just get so down on it. Oh, dude, listen, we've been able to run the ball consistently on the Ravens more than any other team has ever ran the ball on them. And that's not necessarily our offensive line. Or, or I mean, obviously, Nick Chubb is the man. But our schemes play very well against them, especially in the run game. Their run defense... It isn't – it's very good, but it's not that much better than it's been in the past. I know, but, Halim, you know, you got your, you know this, though. We get worried. But our defense – Stefanski's sorry, five, Stefanski's five and uh, – or, excuse me, one and five against the Ravens in games Lamar has started. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not – it's not completely unfounded. I'm with you. We shouldn't be so no, doom and gloom, but – I get it, but th- this defense, right. full go, has not – they've not gone against it. I'm sorry. Like, just the way it's situated. Yeah. Lamar doesn't know what's coming to him, and I'm incredibly excited about that. And I think, I, I think Schwartz fell victim to that a little bit too. I think that he had zero idea how the Ravens were going to attack us because they had that new offense. Yeah, I yeah. think the Ravens. I think the Ravens and that new offense wasn't ran in the NFL last year. There wasn't NFL tape on 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 them last year. That was a he, the dude came from college with yeah, Georgia, yeah. even though. Yeah, even though he has previous NFL experience. Here, that being said, I think yeah. they won that matchup, right? They won the game plan matchup, and our defense is put in an awful position. All right, you give them some more tape, here we go. Got to let you go. Appreciate you, though, as always. Good point on the offensive line, too. You know, we got we still have two Pro Bowlers on that offensive line, in Batonio and Wyatt Teller and Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones would be a top-10 NFL pick if they redrafted tomorrow. That's how good he's been on the right side. We're still a much better offensive line than most other teams' offensive lines, even if you're worried about that left side now. I, I get it. All right, we come on back, ashleybass.cleveland.com. If you're hanging, hang tight. I'll get you guys coming up at 820, but we got a special guest here. Ashley, uh, always a great always a great hang. She's always fun, very informative. Ashleybass.cleveland.com going to join us next right here, Overtime, with Jonathan Peterlin on The Fam.